I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You gotta start with one, you know, and give yourself a chance. Obviously, they, they're in full control here. and It's on us now to make it uncomfortable for them and uh, not go away. So, still have a tremendous amount of belief in our group. We just lost three games in a row. Florida won three games in a row. Can we win three in a row and, and make it real hard again and then earn ourselves a game seven? That would be the goal for us, but obviously that starts with one win. Today is the, the real pressure game. The next game, just go out and play. You know, you got to get a win. This game could have gone either way here tonight. Obviously, it's a missed opportunity for us here. Just like game two, a missed opportunity. Those things add up, and now you have no margin for error. But, uh, you know, we'll come ready to play, look to get our one win, and bring it back home, look to get another. Okay, welcome to the Leaf Report. I don't usually intro the Leaf Report, James, but I got to tell you, I was surprised at how the game on Sunday night played out. What about you? Yeah, we probably shouldn't have been, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah that's actually kind of like where i was getting like we we have been we have been around for a while i don't know why i was surprised i don't know like i just didn't think that that was the way it was going to play out uh it was obviously a close game it goes to overtime but i mean where do we start florida was a better team you know it, like yeah early in that game it was like Florida was playing like they were the team down 0-2 is what it looked like normally in the nhl there's like a 
when your team is down 0-2, you, you, you come out and play game three like your life depends on it because it basically does. And so many, the most series when you're down 0-2, you win the third game. You know, and the team that's up is kind of like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Like we, we knew we weren't going to win them all. This team's come out with just their hair on fire and they're not going to be denied. But in, in that game, Florida was playing like they wanted to win the series in three. Like they, they were great. They, that was their best game of the series. How many shots do you think the Leafs had after 16 minutes of the first period? Uh, 16. I thought you were going to say after 40. Uh, well, they, they had four, right? Three. Right. They had, they had four shots for a long time. Like the second period started, and I think the shots were 13 or 14 to four. Which is interesting, James, because the way it starts, first shift, two on one, Matthews rings it off the post. And then there's another chance, and obviously Lafferty scores, and and then there's another chance not that long after, and you think, okay, they're going to get their looks. They came to play. They came to play, and then and then no, it just completely went away. So what do you? I mean, the big takeaway, obviously, from the game is is this. It goes back to those four players, and and obviously you can throw Morgan Riley into that group as well. But the four offensive stars in a big game just really didn't have anything going. Um, Matthews, I mentioned, rings it off the post in the first minute. He didn't have another attempt until five minutes into the third period. Attempt. And obviously, Marner did not have his his A game. Yeah, let's. I think we should start there because I think that's the most surprising thing to me. Based on the way the series had gone to that point, the first two games, they had so many opportunities. And then it was just gone. They had nothing. I mean, put it however you want. You know, if you want to say they choked or whatever, I mean, I I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you. They they just were really really tentative. It was like those other series where you're in a super important moment and you need to win the game and you just you can't do it. So I'm starting to wonder, James. Like I've spent some time now after the game this morning. Maybe they just don't like. Maybe that extra gear they just don't have. I don't like I don't know what other conclusion to come to. These are really great players, obviously, but there's an extra level that you need to be able to find in the playoffs. And like we're we're pretty deep into this thing now, obviously. Well, it's broken, Jonas. Yeah, it's, they haven't found broke. it. You know, it's like it, I you know, it, either it's like the history is is there or the moment is too much for the group or you, yeah. you start to get the familiar <laughs> feeling in the back of your mind and We've said it many times. I know you've said it many times on the podcast that Marner's at his best when he's not thinking and when he's when he's, yeah, you know, pr- playing free the way we've seen at many times the way he often does during the regular season. I mean, it was a complete opposite for him. He was terrible. I mean, all of my memories of Marner in the game are of him behind the Leafs' net with the puck making a mistake. Yes. I mean, can I don't, what did he have one shot on goal? I can't even like, can you think of an opportunity that Marner had in that game to, to score or to make, make something happen? Like, I can't even think of. He barely had the puck, which is, is never a good sign. And you're right, James, like those two plays. So the first one, he's behind the, the net and I think he thinks he's going to have more time than he does. And then he gives it away and then it happens again. And you're like, this is like, I've, I've never seen that with Mitch Marner. Never. It just kind of was illustrative of how he was and how he played. And you're right. Like, he didn't look free. He looked tight. And and so did Matthews. And 
obviously if those two are not going and don't have anything cooking and they, and they were that was their worst line which is is obviously in a, a game that you have to have if your worst line is your top line and your second worst line is your second line you're you're not in a good spot like you look at the game so james uh marner plays 21 37 he finishes with two shots on three attempts matthews plays 2022 he finishes with two shots on four attempts he missed the net twice uh william neander played 1829 uh he had a nice assist obviously on the eric gustafson goal he finishes with one shot on two attempts john Tavares played 1645 he put he finished with two shots on five attempts like it's just it's just not enough and like you you come out of that game too james and you're thinking man like they keep doing that they keep attacking and they keep putting all that pressure on Bobrovsky. he's gonna crack and then th- there was just no pressure on Bobrovsky. so i mean how many great saves did Bobrovsky make in that game great question like not a lot i mean look at the scoring chance and high danger numbers in that game look at look at how many chances the leafs had from in tight like the what they did in the first two games was not there on sunday no, not at all. And not really like they didn't really even have and to your point, like about the way the thing the game started and who was urgent and who wasn't. It wasn't until like the third period that they really started to get anything I thought going. The the Panthers looked great, man. Like they were they were just ready to jump all over them on every play. They you talk about this is your favorite term. You talk about killer instinct. Florida looked like they were like I said, it looked like they were ready to end the series. Like they, it feels like they really want to sweep the Leafs. Yeah. So to your point before, uh, so the goals in this series, let me bring it up. Actually, I can probably remember offhand. So the, the, these are the goal scores in the series. Matthew Nyes, Ryan O'Reilly, Michael Bunting, Alex Kerfoot, Sam Lafferty, and Eric Gustafson. So zero goals from the four players who had 146 in the regular season. Um, like they, they just can't win, right, James? Like they're built in such a way that those guys have to be really good. I mean, can any team win a playoff series with your top four players not scoring a goal? Uh, that's a good question. Probably not. Matthews has two points. Uh, Nylander and Marner have one. Tavares doesn't even have a point yet in the series. No. It's just, it's uh, Yeah, like you're kind of left shocked but not shocked. It's like it's a, it's a strange thing. Like their best line in that game was O'Reilly, Achari, Kerfoot. Those guys were on it. Like they, they had... A lot going. I did not like the uh, keeping an O'Reilly on the third line. I thought Neander and Tavares needed the help. Agree. And agree. So, so why do you think he keeps going back to that? Like he, I don't. Why keep Marner and Matthews together too? I guess they're, he's 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 worried defensively. I think is what he's doing. Yes, and they were. And, and to be fair, like they were coming off a game where that line was was dominant. Like I didn't have a problem as much with that. But we have so much history of, of Tavares and Neander not being able to, like, needing more. I I just don't, yeah. Did you like the the lineup that they dressed, adding the two defensemen? And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we talked about on the last show was what we thought they should do, right? Like, get the two new defensemen in there, get Logan out, go with 11 forwards. I think all that was fine. I mean, their depth guys played pretty well. Other yeah, than, you can, I mean, you, McC- you're right, McCabe. James. McCabe yeah. wasn't great, but. but he's not a depth guy. Like, and, and to your point, yeah. you can't ask for more than from your depth guys. So, Camp gets a goal or gets an assist, the two on one with Lafferty. He wins thirteen of fourteen faceoffs. Lafferty obviously gets the goal. He was impactful, like he was noticeable. Um, I mentioned that Kerfoot, Achari, O'Reilly line—they were good. 
Luke Shen played well. Joseph Wool obviously comes in in a really yeah, tough we'll situation. To play, plays well. Like a lot of the guys, like th- there was enough there from more than half the roster. Yeah. Mark Giordano, by the way, played seven forty-seven. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably the right so, amount of ice time for him at this point. They did not get a power play, so that obviously is not ideal for them, especially with the way their power play had looked in the first two games. But they didn't really – I mean, there were some penalties that were probably missed, but like I had, they didn't – Yeah, I had some Leafs fans who I know like texting me and saying, like, how can they have not – and, like, I honestly, I didn't see – they weren't they weren't doing anything to draw a penalty, no. really. They barely were in the offensive zone. They barely had anything going. Like, they barely had the puck. Like, they're they're accustomed to having the puck. I don't think it was an officiating conspiracy in this one. Thank God. What does this tell you about those four? What does it mean moving ahead? Like, well, obviously we'll get to big picture stuff eventually, but like, I think we do need to take a second now. Like there, there's no way you can come back with this. If they lose the series, I think you can't come back with those four again. I don't think. No, the only question is like how many go yeah. and, the tough thing, Jonas, is we don't know who the GM's going to be. And, oh, that's another thing. Yeah. You know, there's two things. I think if they're swept and they look, well, I mean, we already know what they look like. You know, I, I, I don't see how they can bring Sheldon Keefe back. And I don't see how they can bring the core four back. Those are the two things that are going to come out of, to me, those are the two things that are going to be the result of this. Which is shocking and not shocking at the same time. Well, because they were supposedly exercised the demons and all that shit with the Tampa series. I mean, really, the only way we were going to end up here is if they were just god-awful against Florida. They hadn't been in the first two games. Like, they weren't great in game one. They were better in game two. But game three, like, when everything is on the line and, like, you can't go down 0-3. They're, they're brutal. They were brutal. We went into this playoffs thinking they had major organizational questions. They did, obviously. It feels like if this is if, if it ends up being a sweep or they lose in five games, that the organizational questions will be even deeper and even bigger than we thought. Agreed? Yeah. Well yeah. Like I said, I think that the only way to undo the good of what happened against Tampa was for them to face plant the way they have in other years. And there's no just no way you can say with a straight face that this team is different or has changed if they it's going to be hard to go back into any season, any postseason with. So the yeah, question is like, what, what can you keep and how do you. Yeah. Cause you're not, you're not blowing it up. You're not rebuilding. You're not, you're not trading everybody. You got to find a way to pivot from this. But I mean, like if I don't know how deep we want to go into like the off season stuff. I mean, we're going to have a whole summer yeah. to talk about this stuff, but here's two questions for you, Jonas. Yep. If you're Austin Matthews and you look at this and you've been through this, are you like, yeah, I'm excited to sign an extension and stay? Yeah, I want to. I want to do this again for another seven years. And number two, if if you're Kyle Dubas and you've got other options, are you like, yeah, I want to. I want to keep doing this. This is going to be. This is going to be fun taking apart my core four and 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 tr- trying to make it work. Trying to make it work in a different way. You know. Because, you know, the, the people involved here have some autonomy, too. It's not just up to the Leafs to decide here. Very good point. And I think you 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 have to, I mean, man, like, there, that's, there's so many layers to that, those conversations, each of those. When your best players, like, consistently can't find another level in the playoffs, like, 
I don't like. I don't know what that tells you about them. Is that ever going to change? Is that always going to be the same? Uh, like you mentioned, Matthews. Well, you can't wait around another year to find out. No, you absolutely cannot. I, I don't know how much deeper we should dive into to that. I think we should probably wait. Um, we should. You know what? Let's take a break and then let's talk about uh, the situation and goal. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. Uh, part of the way things played out, we were talking about obviously their, their top guys, is Ma- uh, Matthews, Marner, Bunting start that second period, immediately give up the, a breakaway to Anthony DeClaire which leads to the collision that injures Ilya Samsonov. Just like a scary collision. Um, it's it's not it's unclear what the injury is, whether it's like a concussion, whether it's a shoulder, whether it's... I think it might it have been one be of his anything. legs, to be honest. Like he had the one leg up in the net, like on the... like, And I think he's been playing through some sort of like groin or leg injury too, right? Yeah, just a, a brutal play. And, and obviously Matt Murray was the third goaltender... He, you know, is now technically available and presumably will back up. We can talk about that. Um, but man, like if if I told you in an, in a game like that that Joseph Wall would be playing, you would I, you would your mind I think would have been blown if I told you that in October. Well, he was he played well though. I mean, good for him. Like you know, like he's he had such a good season, and you know, if we if we're into off season mode here with the podcast, we can talk about the positives of this season and the way that. Matthew Nye stepped up and played and the way that Joseph, you know, like we're not there yet, James. I mean, we're we're awfully close. I mean, do we really we really want to talk about Matt Murray being the backup for a game four? Like, I mean, it doesn't really matter, right? Pee Wee Herman can be the backup for that game. Who I mean, does it like who cares? Is there any case to playing Matt Murray in that game? Like starting? Him? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Do you think so? I think it like I I was talking to Josh about I this. I guess he if wrote you're it. looking to like cat you don't have much to lose, so maybe you're just like, hey, Carry us to the end here. Here's your last chance as a Leaf to do something. Maybe Matt, maybe Matt Murray has some like playoff pixie dust from the runs he's been on. Well, he does have two cups. Josh wrote about this for the Athletic. If you haven't um, seen that, go check it out. But I, I was, we were talking about it, and I said like, I think they have to have a conversation about it. Like the coaching staff has to talk about it. Uh, Matt Murray hasn't played since April second, obviously because of a concussion. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's you know back what? Now I he's didn't available. think about it too much because Wool played well and like whatever. And but, I mean, it doesn't honestly. It doesn't seem like it really matters. So, the only thing is, is if like you put him in there, you put Murray in there, he lets in a bad goal or two. I mean, it's just like you're not your team's just going to be like fuck this. Well, then I guess you just you just pull him right and just put Wall in. I don't know. 
I, your season's I consider over. it. Your season's over, right? Like, I mean, the only way to consider it is if you think like there's going to be some sort of. But don't you have to go into it thinking that way? But what I'm saying is, I don't. It feels like Bowl is the best chance of winning the game right now. What did you say Murray's last game was? Like, it's, it feels like April second. And he yeah. wasn't playing well in the last whatever handful of games he played before that. No, he was not. Um, although, the, like, he had some moments, but but I, I'd talk about it. I mean, they have to go into that game thinking, like, we just need to get one game and then we can... Then, then the series goes back to Toronto. Then you try to get two. Like, obviously, this has barely been done in NHL history. Teams coming back from 3-0. It's not, like... Four times. Impossible. Four times, yes. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance, right? There's. I think, Jonas, it's for this group, it's pretty close to I mean, even if they win two games, you're going to get into a game six and they're going to get tight again and they're going to, it's going to go to overtime and then. Yeah, you know what I meant to say earlier, James? Like, I, I in some ways, I, I feel for these guys because I actually think and know, like, they want to win, like, they're trying, but they just. For some reason, when those situations arise, like we've seen it so many times now, and like if you go through the numbers in like the elimination games and final or series deciding games, and that wasn't even a series deciding game, they just don't produce. And, and that's ultimately like what we're going to have to keep coming back to is when you're built the way they're built with those guys eating so much of your cap, if, if they're not going to be able to get it done when it really matters, then you're, you're toast, you're up a river and that's where they are so with uh it's interesting looking at the contrast over in the west with the kraken who like aren't built top heavy and don't really have those big names and they're kind of just like winning with depth then you look at carolina they're down sveshnikov teravine and patcheretti and they're still finding a way i mean they got spanked by the devils on sunday but they're up in the series and they look pretty good you know other teams are finding a way to do it without a bunch of 10 million dollar players yeah and then the the Oilers, you know, have have the superstars, and the superstars are delivering. I don't think there's any one way to win in the NHL. No, I think you're right, and and I think it it's can, it can work. Like it just requires that Matthews, Marner, Neilander, and Tavares are are really good, or like three of the four are really good, or two of them are just awesome, and they just they, they haven't been in this series. Obviously, like again, game two, they were on it. Like that, if Bobrovsky isn't playing out of his mind, they win that game and this situation is different, but that's not the way it played out. And then game three comes along and they just don't have it. And you mentioned um, McCabe. Uh, so goals for, goals against in the series. Zero, four, six against for McCabe. Brody, mm -hmm. one, four, What's five that, five against. What's that, five on five? That's five on five. McCabe's minus seven. So yeah, there's, a, there's another one that went in. And so it's not only that that's a lot of goals to go in when you're on the ice, but you're also not giving you anything in the other end. Yeah. I had the, I was looking at the, in this series, the like kind of the advanced stats or whatever you want to call them for these, for the three games so far. Um, I don't know how closely you looked at this, but of the players that have played every game, Matthews and Bunting and Nylander are the ones with the best numbers. Um, they're really the only, players that are well above 50% in the series in expected goals. Other end of the ice, uh, Giordano, 38%. Tavares, 41. Marner, 42. How can Marner be at 42 expected goals when his line mate 
Matthews is at 57%. Like, how is that possible? Because there was that one shift. We mentioned those turnovers. One of those shifts, he ended up in his own for God knows how long. One shift would, would be like 15% in a series? Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Well, I mean, if you look, James, after two periods um, in game three, shot attempts were 21 to 7 for the Panthers when he was on the ice. It's that's just, like that's your second best player. Is it maybe it may be your best player during the regular season? Like you could, yeah. I mean, he was their MVP during. The yeah, season. he was. He was there. Yeah. And you mentioned Tavares, James. Like we will get to all this offseason stuff, but I, I think after this season, I think Tavares as your second line center is just not. Well, I mean, it shouldn't have been this year. I mean, we were saying that you you took a lot of shit from people for saying that, but like he just. You know, he plays 15 minutes in regulation in that game yesterday, and I couldn't tell you, I couldn't come up with any kind of positive contribution he made. If you're if you're an $11 million captain, you only want to play him 15 minutes in a do-or-die game, that says something, unfortunately. Yeah, he just he's just not able to create for himself or his linemates. Like, he really needs Neilander to set him up, and if is not going 100 miles an hour just doesn't happen like he They're just getting isn't caved dangerous. in with Tavares on the ice at even strength They're getting caved in yeah what the possession is he's at 40 percent possession for this series is that right look at, yeah look at like the shot share it's 38 percent. yeah that's rough i mean yeah he's, that's your second been, line center right yeah he's, he's played 47 minutes at even strength and 33 shots against which i think is last on the team you thought coming out of that tampa series james like that i mean i wrote and thought like that everything would be erased would everything from the past had had kind of been erased and now that's that's not the case anymore like now it all comes back and well it's the concern all, was they were going to be like oh we won a series it's mission accomplished and like take your foot off the gas and i don't really think that's necessarily what's happened no, here No, i don't either yeah it's just they're just being who they are again i mean and you look back at the tampa series or and this is part of why Speaking of taking a lot of shit, we took a lot of shit for saying they're not playing very well in the Tampa series. Like they won, yeah, they're up three one in the series, but like, like they get they're getting outplayed in long stretches, and and people were complaining like, oh, who cares? They're winning the games, and but it catches up to you at a certain point. Yes, right? yeah. Like watching that Tampa series, I and mean, one of the things I wrote in in my piece at the end of that series was like, this is great and everything, but if they want to go deep, they got to play better than this, and they just haven't. Well, and that's the thing. Like around is is it's is nothing, right? Like. Most teams win around. Eight teams do it every year. So yeah. a quarter of the league does it every year. So basically, the average is you're going to win around every four years. Now, the Leafs have missed out on that rotation for quite some time, but that's the average. You know, I, someone had a comment about, I think I called it a routine accomplishment or something like that. And someone said, oh, tell that to Patrice Bergeron. And it's like, well, Patrice Bergeron's won around like 10 times. Like, it is, for him, it is a routine accomplishment. Half yes. the years he's been in the league, they've won around. Seattle just won around. They've barely been around. <laughs> and they they might win another one. Uh, I'd like to yeah. have won around, but they haven't been around. Yeah. How that about a Seattle-Vegas Seattle Vegas conference final if it plays out that way? The expansion battle. It's kind of hilarious. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the ratings, by the way, for if it's like Carolina, Florida or Jersey, Florida? Yeah. Can you imagine... Imagine all the all the readers flocking to the athletic to read about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we have questions today, James? I forgot to check with you. 
yeah, we have uh, we have. There's many, many, many questions. I don't think okay. any of them are. Gonna, I don't think there's going to be any positive questions. Let's take a break and then let's get into uh, some of the questions. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James, I'm guessing the, the questions are not a happy bunch today, understandably. Oh, yeah. Why not? I Why feel, man, I like I as much as I, I feel for Leaf fans after a game like that, that's tough. Just when you think it's like it's they're on the up and up and they beat Tampa. And like, when was that? Was that like a week ago that we were talking about that series? Yeah. Well, the one, the number one comment that people want us to talk about is an interesting one it's very long but i i'm gonna i'm not gonna read the whole thing it's from dylan dylan says can we have a conversation about the media surrounding this team day to day and the overall rhetoric i've watched and listened to every pregame postgame practice day scrum all season long i can't help to think that the media would rather see this team fail than succeed is it too much to ask for the reporters to be a little more positive in these scrums when talking to the team this is not directed towards you and jonas you think most beat writers would be more supportive of their local team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I'm I'm actually surprised how often I hear this, but the the job of the media is not to support the team. It's not we're not an apparatus. Like, I mean, I know people don't think of it this way, but like we're we we're, we went to journalism school. Like we're we're journalists. You know, the way Jonas and I think about it is like we want to cover the team objectively, good and bad. If they're good, we'll tell you they're good. We'll tell you that they played well. We'll tell you, you know, that that's the way that we come to the job to do it. You know, are there some people that that cover the team in the Toronto media that are just looking to stir things up and that are overly negative? Sure. But I think for the most part, I don't think that the media base is like that. I don't think that they're overly confrontational. I mean, I haven't heard any of these post games where media people are getting in the faces of people and saying things and being trying to be pr- provocative and things like that. That's not what I'm seeing. No, I think that's right. And I, th- I think if you looked at other markets, you would notice that there's much more of what is being hinted at in the question where there is an actual edge and it's almost like taken personally and the questions are kind of like, I don't know if attacking is the right word or the right way to describe it, but there's more of a, I don't know. There's less of a... I I think Toronto is pretty reasonable with the way the team is covered for the most part. Like, there's, It's not perfect, obviously. But like you said, James, like our job is just to to write and ask about what's going on. And it's not always going to be positive. And listen, like we're talking about their their core four players. 
nobody has written more stories about the accomplishments of those players than me. Nobody. Like I have, when they play well, I'm, I'm happy to write it, but like when they're not playing well, like what are we supposed to do? Like we're just supposed to tell the truth. And if they're not playing well, that's what's going to happen. So I think you said it well. I mean, I'm sympathetic like to some of the, like some of the stuff that happens on social media and some of the attacks that people get and all that kind of stuff. Like there's stuff that does go way overboard and, um, I, I, I honestly, I don't think that like the people actually in the dress room day to day, like the group of reporters that's there asking the questions of Sheldon Keefe and the players, like there's not, it was, it used to be worse than it is now. Like there's not, I don't think a lot of, for lack of a better word, there's not a lot of bullshit happening there. Like I, I don't think people are trying to kick the players when they're down or anything. They're trying to do the job. And as a fan, I understand it'd be hard to listen to and, but it's just not our job to to pick them up. It's not. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, there are people that who are fans of the team who cover it in that way. We have some of them that work at The Athletic and they do great work. And if those are the kind of people you want to read and listen to, and I got this really early in my career. Why are you so negative about the Leafs? And why don't, you know, they, they won the last three games. Why don't you write something positive? It's like, that's not my job. If you want someone that's going to do that, like, oh, I got this a lot, like in the Burke and Ron Wilson era and Carlisle and, you know, they get out shot 25 to 10 and somehow win the game. Why don't you write something positive? It's like, because this isn't, the the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, not to somehow luck out a 3-2 win in November. Um, Anyway, that's a tangent. But yeah, that was the top question that, the, the reason the Leafs are losing right now is not the media. I mean, maybe they can't handle the pressure of playing in the Toronto market, but that's not going to go anywhere. No. What's the next question we got? Uh, John wants to know, do you think the issues with this core of this series are psychological, injury-related, strategic, or something else? You're not going to win many series when 50% of your cap is scoring you zero, zero in capital letters, goals. So let's. I think those are the four right things to to pick up. Um, what percentage do you think is psychological? What percentage is injury related? Do you think any of the core four guys are playing through major injuries right now? I mean, it seems like Matthews has been. He took a shot last night off the hand, but no, I I don't think it's injury related. I don't. Know uh, what percentage is strategic? So that would be on the coaching staff, and what percentage is something else? I mean, I think a lot of it is psychological, but I also think there's a strategic component here too, where whether it's the coach telling them to do something that's not working or the players aren't executing on what they're being told to do, it felt like a lot in game three that like they were overpassing. They weren't the, the, the last podcast we talked about, you just got to get it to the net and get some ugly goals and get, to the, you know, they scored a lot more of those against Tampa. They just haven't been able to do it in this series. But then like you think about at least three of those four guys, that's not really the way that they score, right? No, that's, and that's like one of the things, like when you get into the future questions about those guys, it's like, is, is, are they ever going to be able to score the types of goals enough to go on a long run? And like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, to this point, the answer is no. Um, but like Matthews is more of obviously finesse, Marner finesse, Neander finesse, Tavares gets his goals around the net, but he needs a lot to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He needs someone to like put it in the right place for him in front of. But, the, I mean, like that's why he's so good on the power play. 
Yes. And and what's hard, James, like it feels like most of it is psychological. And then again, like you go back to game two and it's like, well, it wasn't psychological then. Like they just were goalied. Season but wasn't then, on the line in game two though, Jonas. So Yeah. Well, and it's funny, like Josh and I were talking about this after the game. It's 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 funny sometimes in sports how one play can end up deciding how this thing goes. Like if they had scored in overtime, we'd be talking about their best players not playing particularly well, but the series would be 2-1 and they would have a chance to be in the series, bounce back and all those kinds of things. And But that's not the way sports go. They lose the game and here we are. Mikhail asks, is it time for Leafs fans to walk away from the franchise? Really, there has to be better things to do with our time. Well, I hope you'll keep listening to the Leaf Report, even, <laughs> even if you walk away. I thought maybe, you know, the Montreal series, I thought they would lose people. and I mean, they may have. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that there have been some fans that I've heard from a lot of people, you know, a lot of my friends that I've made since I moved to Toronto and who are Leafs fans, they, you know, they're just not watching every game the same way. Um, you know, the 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 passion isn't as deep as it used to be. You know what? You know what? I'm glad you brought that up, James, because after that series, I think one of the first things I wrote, and, and I know we talked about it on the podcast, was is this the time that they have to actually really consider trading one of those guys? Like, is this is this the moment they need to pivot from this way that they've built their team? And they they came out forcefully and said, No, we're not doing that. And, and you wonder, again, I'm going back to our, my conversation with Josh, because I liked how he framed this. If that game, if game three was the breaking point, if that was the game now that changes that for them to the point where they're like, no. They're not coming back. Yeah. The, so, these, so the then four that guys was aren't, the four guys are not going to be back next year, Jonas. So then that was it. Game three was you the breaking point. You can throw it in my time. face if I'm wrong in next September, but I, I don't see any... It's no, it's not going to happen. Regardless, like if Kyle Dubas comes back or Brendan Shanahan comes back, it's hard to see how the powers above them would allow them to bring back the same team. Well, I'm sure they don't want to bring them back again. I mean, well, that's the other thing. It's over. It's over. So, I mean, you have to make the decisions on the future of Austin Matthews and William Nylander before July 1st, really. Does Nylander have a no movement clause after July 1? I know Matthews does. Matthews is going to be like, do you want to sign an extension? If not, they have to trade him. July 1st is not very far away. Anyway, this is a, we got we got many shows to get into all this stuff, but yeah. the, so the debate for them is like which one of those guys, like if if you're not bringing all four back, which I don't think they're going to, who goes? Uh, John says, does Marner's game translate well to the playoffs? He's not that fast, not that good at shielding the puck. The tighter checking really seems to limit him. Honestly, I think it's psychological with him. I don't know that it's necessarily, I guess there's some parts of it that are style of play. And maybe those two things compound one another, but there are smaller skilled players who excel at the playoffs. Including the one that he kind of modeled his game off. Yeah, that's who I was going to say. Yeah. Patrick Kane. That's who I was going to say. Well, and it's funny, James, I had like this flashback, uh, Tavares at some point in recently was asked about Matthew Nyes and he said like, he's almost, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of like, he's almost too young to know better. And, and I, and we go back to that, I think it was the 18 series against Boston where I think Marner was 20 
and you mentioned playing free like he just he was free like he just he just kind of played and there was you could see there was no baggage there was no pressure and and he was their best player and obviously his role was different on the team then like he was on what was kind of like a third line with I think it was like Bozak and Van Riemsdyk but he just played as if there was nothing he didn't have any pressure and that hasn't been the case now even like even that first round like he had 11 points he played well he didn't play it wasn't like a plus version of Marner that we saw at points during the regular season it's harder like the playoffs are harder like that's the other thing like and you need to be able to find a different level and whether it's psychological or whatever it is they well haven't done it if you haven't, if people haven't read it, Dom's done some great analysis of heavy hockey and how the play things change in the playoffs, and some players are more effective in the playoffs versus the regular. I mean, look at Le- what Leon Dreisaitl is doing. Well, and he's like he's a monster. Yeah, he is a monster. I guess it's. I mean, this is one of the most impressive performances in NHL playoff history. I'm, I'm almost. I'm rooting for Edmonton to to advance. I picked Vegas to win the series. I'm rooting for Edmonton to advance just so that he can. Like he might break the record for playoff goals, and who would thought we would ever see that breaking records that are from like the eighties? Uh, Belvedere, great name. I wonder if that's. Do you think that's a real first name? Why not? Uh, I've never met someone named Belvedere. In hindsight, was it not a massive mistake to sign John Tavares and make him the captain? Shouldn't a smart guy like Dubas have foreseen that a slower player who isn't physical, doesn't have a high hockey IQ, would have an ugly aging curve? The interesting thing with Tavares now is there's two years left on the deal. I think we all knew when he signed that contract that the end of the contract might not be great. We are now firmly in the end of that contract. And it doesn't look great. The tough thing is, and you haven't won, right? Yeah, like they they really needed to win in those first three, four years of it, right? Which I guess were past. Yeah, it kind of like signing him when they did put pressure on a group that was still relatively young and it's, you know, and then he's got the no movement clause and you also make him captain. Like, you know, we're talking about changing the core four. I mean, he's going to be the most complicated one if you decide you want him to go. I mean, I don't even know if it's possible. Was it a mistake? Um But obviously, like when you make that, when you sign that contract, you you don't get to know what the future is, right? Well, I mean, they were picturing too that the cap was going to be ninety five million right now, not That's the other thing, two yeah. and a half. I mean, like the the COVID impact on their cap structure was was enormous, and they didn't handle the other guys' contracts as. I mean, the Neander one obviously works out, but Matthews and Martin are like they didn't get the the contracts that they probably needed to get yeah so there's that too if you got time you use it jonas use it to pay them a lot more for some reason andrew says marner clearly needs a change of scenery where could he go john says i know you guys don't want to write the eulogy yet i mean it feel kind of this kind of feels eulogy like this is like this is like the intro to the eulogy he says the leafs mostly completely dominated game one and two were undone by goaltending in a bad 90 seconds in game two, did changing the lineup and bringing in the constant lineup shifting that 11 forwards necess- necessitates contribute to how poor they looked in your mind? Do you think they should have went 11 and 7 or should they have kept it with, with 12 forwards? Well, the, the question is then, do you want it? You're, you're basically asking 
would Aston, Zach Aston Reese have made the difference in that game? And I just, well, he's just uh, saying like, he's saying that like this, the lines switching and like, yeah, I mean, I've never liked 11 and seven, but it worked in, in game six, I guess against Tampa is the one. Yeah, technically it did. Yeah. I mean, I just, if he, if he was going to go 11 and seven, I just would have preferred that O'Reilly played with Tavares. Like I, I, I just, I don't know why they went away. They started obviously the playoffs that way with O'Reilly playing between Tavares and Neander. And obviously that game one against Tampa went terribly and they went away from it and they've basically gone away from it since. And I just, I don't think you can, I think Tavares and Neander need that extra boost. And I think you get more from O'Reilly by playing him higher in the lineup. And I think, you know what the other thing is, James, just, this is a thought I had last night and, and had previously is I think David Kampf could do some of those same things. Like I think you could play him a little bit more and play him in the way that you're trying to play O'Reilly and be fine because like Kerfoot O'Reilly Achari is not really going to score you goals. It's kind of just like a safe, reliable line that you can put out for D zone draws, play against anyone, but you could put O'Reilly, you could put Kampf in that spot and get the same usefulness out of that line. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know what, the upside of putting O'Reilly there just doesn't feel high enough, whereas the upside of putting him with Tavares and Neander feels higher. And so I don't like it. It's funny how much they miss Matthew Nyes. Eh? Like it just shows like maybe that's an indictment of their depth at left wing that not having him makes an impact. Uh, Tom doesn't really have a question, but he did put a question mark at the end of it. He just wrote fuck. So, um, yeah. Matt says, uh, how many shifts did Marner and Matthews play apart last night? Part of splitting them up in game four of the Tampa series was allowing them to separate, spread the defensive depth. Obviously, they both had a bad game, but splitting them up would have allowed for one of them to get away from Barkov. Why did Keith keep going back to the combination? Why didn't he move away from Matthews and Marner when it didn't work for two periods? I guess the, the, the argument would be, it's not like Marner and Tavares had worked well. You know what I mean? Like it. I guess you could have said, you know what, maybe we should try something totally different in the third. And they 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 kind of did. They they started playing O'Reilly with Tavares and Neander. But other than that, yeah, it's a it's a fair point. I hadn't had that thought. Um but yeah, Barkov, that line just owned them, owned that matchup. Let's see how many minutes they I don't think they spent any time, maybe like a I little bit. I could see Florida winning the cup, to be honest. If they get goaltending, like I they they've played well. Yeah. You're right. So Matthews played, Marner played 16 and a half of Matthews 20, 22. If yeah, I mean, they were together. Uh, Brett says, why do we care about this team? It's, it's you blame your parents. Call up your dad. By the way, James, the, the Marner-Matthews minutes, 32% expected goals in 16 and a half minutes. Just like shocking for a line, a twosome that was like puts up some of the best numbers in that respect in the league. How many more you got, James? Uh, Michael says, how are you feeling about the Brad tree living era in Toronto? And what are the first moves you think he makes? Or people are really looking ahead here. Nick says, really curious about the story about two of the three owners not wanting to extend Dubas last offseason. I don't know. I didn't see that story. Did you see that story? Some of the quote-unquote stories, I'm not really sure the dubious sourcing on some of them. 
Blake has a good question. He says, what's happened to TJ Brody? He had a very good regular season, but he looks shell-shocked in the playoffs. Poor defensive coverage, poor breakouts, poor reads. The Lilgren criticism of slow processing speed seems fitting for Brody recently. I don't know what is like. Brody's been here, what is it, three years now? Is it yep. more than that? No, three. Yeah, it's three because you got one more year left on the four-year contract. I've never seen him play this poorly. They're just asking too much from him? Yeah, he looks he looks overmat like uh overwhelmed, overmatched, um, worn down. He's gonna be thirty-three in June. He's playing with a partner. Well it's that- Giordano too, right? Like look how well Giordano played at times during the year. Like you know, when they had those D injuries and they needed to play it, like it feels like the yeah. season just caught up to the, the older players on the team. Like they just there wasn't enough load management and yeah, but the 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 thing with Brody is like he didn't he only played fifty eight games. Like Giordano yeah. kind of just got old all of a sudden. Which I mean, I I know I've written this that happens that like it we've seen it repeatedly I've that lived in it. a flash. Yeah, but like <laughs> we've seen it whether it was with like Spezza or Thornton or Simmons. Like overnight, they can just look old. And and Giordano is thirty nine. I think the thing with Brody is like I keep coming back to the decision that they made at the deadline to trade for Jake McCabe. And they were almost like trying to thread this needle where they were addressing a current need and also addressing a future need. And I always thought that that was a really risky decision because you were asking a lot of Jake McCabe more than he had ever done in his career. And I always told you repeatedly, like I would have preferred, and and I wrote this, that they got someone like Dmitry Orlov, who is like an actual legitimate top pair guy and they chose to try to like thread the needle and get someone who could help them now and help them later for cheap and you wonder how much of that has an effect on Brody because I mean we've seen throughout these playoffs James like there are moments where Jake McCabe just looks like overwhelmed by the pressure the speed the pace all those things yeah they're asking him to do too much as well yeah and and so you combine that with the fact that like all of a sudden Giordano looks old um, Lilligren has been up and down. Obviously, he didn't get a lot of time. Justin Hall has not had a great playoffs. Like all those things combined, it's like, well, now your defense is like, it's like your your most reliable pair is Riley and Shen by a lot, which literally no one would have predicted going into the playoffs. No. Uh, John says, do you think they're setting the scene to do the most unleaf like thing and climb out of a three nothing deficit to win the series and finally bury? The last of the demons. And I full credit to the people that still believe as much as John. Oh, he had, he had, there's a little postscript here. Or are we really getting swept by the Panthers? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm probably should. It w- it's not like, it's not impossible. Like if, if, if they won three games in a row over the Panthers, you wouldn't be like, blown away but then like you still have to win four but Jonas has to be this team to do it yeah well and they haven't earned that benefit of the doubt for sure like what are the chances that this team and those guys do it I'm trying to think of examples one that immediately comes to mind is that Boston Red Sox team that I believe was down 0-3 to the Yankees am I remembering that wrong I don't think so had they lost in the first round six years in a row before that point (laughs) They they did not what, have. A what good would be the most leafiest thing here? Like they I come I, back I, and I, win. Yeah. yeah, that. But they they've never done that before. That doesn't feel very leafy. No, and, and 
punch our producer confirms that I'm right. And they were down 3-0 to the Yankees. Obviously, they had that 100-year championship World Series drought, and then they beat the Yankees in seven, and then they won the World Series. There you go, James. It's going to happen. And then they won multiple World Series. Yeah. Something changed, except they had a bunch of, I think they, they called themselves the, the idiots. So they were a bit looser. Different team. Heart. Harsh says insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. The funny thing is, I mean, the team is 50% of the roster is different from last season and is different from like how many, how many players on this team were here for, I mean, let's say like the Montreal or the Columbus. Well, okay. So I have the game sheet from last night. So Hall was here. Kerfoot was here. Marner was here. Matthews, Riley. Bunting was not here. Camp was not here. Was Camp Not for many players. No, because no, he wasn't here. Yeah, Camp signed Second a two-year deal. Neander was here. Brody was here. Tavares. That's it. Was it eight? Is that what you got? Seven? Something like that. Yeah. But the core of the roster was here. So, and which is why we're talking about them again. Yes. <laughs> Alan says if they lose a series, which they will, list the top ten off-season moves you'd make. All that is is coming in due time. Jonas and I have have many meetings here in the next few days and we'll come up with some sort of a game plan. But yeah, if there are stories you'd like to see us write, let us know on, on social media and in the comments on our stories. And, um, because it's, you know, if, if they lose on, on Wednesday in game four, it's going to be a really long off season. It's going to be a really interesting off season for this franchise again. Um, I mean, maybe one of the most interesting off seasons since we've covered the team, right, Jonas? Like it's, yes, kind of goes back to when Shanahan came in and started. But even then, when Shanahan came in, the changes were kind of incremental. Like they kept the coach, they kept the GM. It took time for that. That's not going to be the case here. I mean, if they, if it turns out to be a new GM, they're going to have to move pretty fast to, to pivot a lot of things here. Yep. Bigger questions than before, like way bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Just because the stakes are so much higher and well, because you're not blowing it up. Like you're not you're not going back to try and tank and get draft picks. Like you gotta find a way to make some sort sort of like a U turn and But like we could be talking about we don't like we don't know if Shanahan comes back, we don't know if Dubis comes back, we don't know if Keith comes back, like we don't know if we don't think all four of those stars are coming back. So like you're talking about major change potentially. Yeah, it's you know it's I find it interesting that there's so much heat on the core four and and uh, Keith and Dubas. I don't think that there's been enough on Shanahan. I mean, I think he's the architect of the whole thing. Yeah. So I think that he should probably get talked about. You know, some of the dysfunction with Lamorello and Mark Hunter and Babcock and everything that happened. It's been nine years. Yeah. His. He's a big part of everything that happened. Like the Shanna, this feels like the end of the Shanna plan, really. I mean, if the Leafs win, we're going to have another post game show and might be a little bit more upbeat <laughs> after Wednesday. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I was thinking after the game, like, is it fair to write kind of what you're talking about, like the obituary a little bit about this team? But it's like, how do you, how do you avoid it after a game like that, after all that we've seen with this team? Like, how, I don't know that we would being we would be being truthful and honest if we kind of avoided all that stuff. Like how how can we, right? Like 
it feels kind of like the end of an era, sort of like the end of the core. The core four era is what seven years, right? So nothing lasts forever in life and in pro sports, and feels like we're coming up against the end of something here. Got any more? That that's it. I mean, a lot okay. of the question, a lot of the questions are there. We there are a lot. Thank you to everyone for so there are 114, and I didn't put out the call until. It was, it was like one o'clock in the morning or something. So it's just, it's incredible to, and it's incredible how many people have been listening to these playoff shows. So we thank everybody for that. We do. Uh, thank you for listening. Go to theathletic.com slash leave report. If you want to sign up and read about all the craziness of the last few days and the last day, especially, uh, James, we will chat after game four at some point. Indeed we will. Yep. All righty. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, James. Thank you, Punch. Goodbye.